that Minka Fitzpatrick is still only 23 years old. Did you know that? Did you know that he's not going to turn 24 until closer to Thanksgiving? Did you know that in the relative world of football ages, he is still essentially a child? He can get better. Good morning to you on that happy note. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports and the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. We're hoping you set your platform to get all of our content on auto-download. makes a big, big difference for us. I covered the Steelers' practice yesterday on the south side. was left with a lot of impressions. There are a lot of things that go on, and even though... NFL reporting procedures prohibit us from delving into specifics of personnel, strategy, uh, even play execution, meaning who the names are that are doing certain things. I feel quite comfortable sharing with you that Minka Fitzpatrick makes an impact on pretty much everyone that he sees In any given situation, and I I was no exception yesterday. He's everywhere. He's everywhere effortlessly. He reads the game. He reads passes. He reads plays before they develop. He has some unusual, otherworldly, sixth or even seventh sense for football that can't be taught, that can't be coached, that can only be really appreciated when you drop him from out of the sky, as happened with that trade last year before week three, onto that field in Santa Clara, California, and watch him work his magic the way he did when the Steelers almost upset the eventual NFC representative in the Super Bowl the 49ers, and that was with Mason Rudolph as quarterback, the first one after Ben got hurt. Minka didn't even know the playbook. He just just showed up, just walked out on that field and disrupted everything in sight. He ended up the season, of course, first-team All-Pro, Pro Bowl, five interceptions, the most of anybody with the Steelers since Troy Palomalu had seven in in 2010. A forced fumble, two fumble recoveries, nine passes defensed. This is all in 14 games with Pittsburgh, by the way. I'm not even getting to the full 16. He did spend two with the Dolphins. This is all in 14 games. It was an outrageous season. I didn't even mention the two touchdowns, including the 96-yarder. And when you see what he did, and any time you see a performance that's so far above and beyond extraordinary from someone who is brand new, whether it's as a rookie or, in this case, Raminka, really as a breakout with the Steelers. This was his third NFL season. You can't help but think to yourself, that athlete can't go any higher than that. That athlete can't get any better. And there might be cause to that, at least statistically. It's 
close to unfathomable that Minka could produce the kinds of numbers, again, that I just gave to you. If only because, look, as we saw last season, teams just started throwing everywhere that 39 wasn't. And Minka didn't apologize for that. As the year went on and we would ask him, hey, Minka, do you feel like, you know, I didn't ask him this, other people did. Do you feel like your, you know, game can get back to its peak or whatever? And he was like, my game is just fine. They're not throwing my way. And he was right. This was the way Darrell Revis used to get measured in the NFL. Remember, Darrell wouldn't end up leading the NFL in picks or passes defensed. What Darrell would lead the league in is nobody throwing his way and being a guy who was taking away the other team's top wide receiver with man coverage, with no help, no safety help, no nothing. I'm not saying that because Darrell is an Aliquippa and a pit guy. I'm saying that because Darrell was all that. He earned himself a truckload of money in the NFL. One of the great corners you'll ever see. Took people away. Never got the stats. Minka might become that guy and people might not realize in 2020 that he's gotten even better. Yesterday after practice... Minka brought up something else that was interesting as it relates to what he can do to get better this coming season. Um, yeah, you know, this this year's uh, was just total opposite end of the spectrum. Um, you know, I didn't know the playbook at all. I didn't know my teammates very well. Uh, and this year is, is, is a different story. It's the total opposite. Uh, you know, I had a whole offseason with my teammates. I had a whole season with my teammates in the playbook. So, you know, it's a whole different um, very confident in in in, in, uh, in the scheme. I'm very confident in my teammates. I'm very confident in my coaches because you know I'm, I'm I've been with them. You know, we've been battle tested uh, last year. You know I knew they were a great team. They're great players. Um, you know I, had, I was not there yet. So uh, you know it's kind of uh, learning on the run, learning on the fly. Um, but you know they helped me a whole lot. My coaches, my teammates, and learning the playbook. It's just feel comfortable. That's it. It's about. Knowing the signals, it's about knowing the calls, it's about knowing the timing, it's about knowing more about the rest of your secondary and the linebackers in front of you and what Devin Bush is calling and why and who's dropping into coverage and who's taking this guy and who's taking that guy and how Minka can in turn do that beautiful freelancing that he does and find his way to the football the way the truly great talents like a Troy have historically done. There isn't a roadmap for the Troys, for the Ed Reeds, for the players who do things that can't necessarily be explained even by the game's foremost experts. They just have a knack. The ball follows them. All those cliches apply to someone like this. Can he get better? With reduced statistics, yes. Can the Steelers' defense as a whole get better with reduced statistics in the takeaway department? Yes, unequivocally, no doubt in my mind. It's asking a ton of any group to come up with 36 takeaways because there's so much luck involved in takeaways in football. There just are. 
it's an oblong shaped thing that doesn't bounce the way you think it's gonna bounce. Minka can be better, the Steelers defense can be even better. Give me one good reason why either of those things won't be true in 2020. When we come back, a little bit more football. Real football actually played last night. champs really put a hurting on the Houston Texans 34 to 20 the game was not nearly as interesting as that score might make it sound Patrick Mahomes threw for three touchdowns but to me the real story was Clyde Edwards Hilaire with 128 yards on the ground and zero catches and I'll tell you in a second why that last one was actually the more surprising number. This portion of Daily Shot is always brought to you by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need help with workers' comp medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG pride themselves in doing what they say they're going to do. It's important to them when they make you a promise that that promise gets kept. They've been doing it for 80 years. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, Elwood City. You can learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. If Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's name only rings a bell for you, that's because he was that guy, the running back out of LSU that I think a lot of people had their hearts set on. I know I did. I was really hoping he'd fall to the Steelers into the second round. The Chiefs, of course, got him with the last pick of the first round. And the audible groan that you could hear everywhere with Kansas City being the team that got him was that everyone knew he was the one thing the Chiefs didn't have while winning the Super Bowl. He's really fast, not a big guy, a great low center of gravity, hits a hole, explodes through it. He had the 138 yards on the ground. Of those, 96 of them came when it was six or fewer in the box, according to NFL's next-gen stats. And again, that tells you that if you focus too much on stopping Mahomes and you go out there with five, six DBs, whatever it is, and you're looking to take away his options, they're just going to hand the ball to this dude, and he's just going to run right through you. It's a threat Mahomes didn't have. It's a compliment Mahomes didn't have last year when he already looked unstoppable. That is scary for the entirety of the American Football Conference. It really is. On top of that, the Chiefs looked like they had everything else going, too. Travis Kelsey, uh, the defense was aggressive and opportunistic. 
there's nothing in watching that game that would make you think that the Chiefs are ready to take any kind of step backward. Doesn't mean it won't happen. Doesn't mean it won't happen. But it certainly wouldn't appear that way. Now, that said, any regrets that follow Clyde Edwards-Hilaire need to be accompanied by a reminder here. A, Steelers never had a crack at him because they moved their first-round pick, of course, to get Minka. We've already been over what Minka means. The other thing is, even if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had dropped, even if he had fallen to where the Steelers are, or where they picked, I should say, would he have been a better impact player and a better choice than what Chase Claypool is shaping up to be? Of course there's no definitive answer to that. One of them has played one NFL game and the other one still hasn't taken an NFL snap even in a preseason game. However, however, if you look at the constitution of the Steelers roster from a cap standpoint and from a free agency standpoint, if one presumes that Juju Smith-Schuster is gone either way after this season, meaning if he's great, he'll price himself out. If he's not great, the Steelers won't want to keep him. If you presume that scenario, then Claypool is absolutely the guy you would want to keep in Pittsburgh. He's absolutely the young player you'd want to have in the fold working his way in. But I'm here to tell you, after being at practice yesterday, as gently as I can put this and without violating NFL practice reporting protocol or whatever, Chase Claypool is going to be exactly what Mike Tomlin, Randy Feetner, Ben Roethlisberger, and others have said on the record he's going to be. There, I can hide behind that. He's going to be a big part of this offense. He's not going to be watching from the sideline. He's not just going to come out there if Deontay Johnson stays hurt. Through Monday, he's not going to be a replacement guy. He is an immediate impact player. This quarterback trusts that kid already. And given where this organization is at this point in time, in its last year or two or whatever it is, with arguably its greatest QB ever, you'll take that. You'll take that over a running back who would offer him some other options. Remember that I noted that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had no catches. Part of the reason that's significant, again, maybe he'll have them at some point, you know, is that one of the things that was supposed to make Clyde Edwards-Hilaire attractive to the Steelers and to Ben was that he was going to be that dual option like he was at LSU both a running and a pass-receiving threat. Although, again, with his size, it remains to be seen to what extent Kansas City will be able to pull that off. You will take Chase Claypool. Just mark it down. You will take Chase Claypool. When we come back, some hockey.
playoffs has been played, probably not by accident, by my new Stanley Cup pick. See, you can do that. I had a Stanley Cup pick for a couple months. It was going to be the Colorado Avalanche. Until it wasn't. Lost their goaltender. Had no chance after that. Whatever. The Dallas Stars are the new St. Louis Blues. That's what I have to say. This portion of Daily Shot is always brought to you by our friends at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. In normal times, one in seven people in our region are what's known as food insecure, meaning they don't know where the next meal is coming from. That includes one in five children. And now, during the pandemic, that need is that much greater. If you are in need of any kind of food assistance, or if you would just like to support the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, you can do so by visiting on the web, pittsburghfoodbank.org. Spell out those first three words, pittsburghfoodbank.org. One dollar is all it takes to provide enough food for up to five meals. One dollar. Yeah, the Stars beat the Golden Knights 3-2 to two in overtime on a terrific Alexander Radulov semi-breakaway goal. He was sprung down the right side on a tic-tac-toe breakout by Jamie Benn uh, and then went ping off the far bar behind Robin Leonard early into the OT. Didn't leave room for a whole lot of suspense. Dallas is now up 2-1 to one in that series. The Stars just have a whole lot of stuff going on. And they remain, at least to the naked, untrained eye, something of a mystery. Because you didn't think of the Dallas Stars as being a contender entering these playoffs. Kind of similar to the way we thought of the St. Louis Blues, or didn't think of the St. Louis Blues last year. Is supposed to be a sport now of young and fast and young and fast, and the stars aren't young. I mean, look at the names that get rattled off when you're talking about this team. Who are the guys that are putting up the goals? You're talking about Joe Pavelski, Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn, uh, Radulov's not a kid. It's not some up-and-coming group. Jim Rutherford and I had a talk about the Stars a few days ago, and I asked him a question. I've been asking a lot of people around me or you know, just in casual conversation about hockey. What's up with these guys? Rutherford advised that I watch the back end. Watch how quickly they move the puck up. Watch how mobile they are. And he's right. He's right. It's Miro Heiskanen. Uh, but it's also Asa Lindell. It's John Klingberg. It's Jamie Alexiak. What do you know with the breakaway backhand beauty in this game? But he's been part of that, too. Uh, the big rig, when he was in Pittsburgh, would also join the attack. Good hockey player all around. Never really understood why... Mike Sullivan didn't completely take to him, but he didn't. Nothing you can do about that after the fact, and that's not why I'm bringing this up. It's that Dallas has taken a strength that maybe the front office and the coaching staff 
didn't really know they had. And under Rick Bonus, who was forced to take over at midseason, they were able to uncover a new identity heading into these playoffs. And they really have one. I mean, they've completely flipped the script. This was a team that really forever and ever, dating back to the Ken Hitchcock days, was always defense, defense, defense. And they were like that in the regular season. And then they show up in the playoffs, and they just start wheeling. And they're not particularly good at all defensively anymore. I mean, I don't know how else to put that. I mean, I know the Golden Knights had a couple goals and, and, and no more, but that doesn't mean the Stars were very good defensively or that Anton Kadobin was all that great in goal. It just doesn't matter because the Stars are just flying. How does that happen? When is the last time you saw that happen in a Stanley Cup playoff that a team showed up in the postseason looking completely different, approaching the game completely different than what they did in the regular season? Yeah, this one's a little bit different with the pandemic and everything and the long delay, but uh, man, hats off to everybody involved with the Stars. They very much feel like the St. Louis of this year. That's not to say that they're going to get out of this round. The Golden Knights, there are very few people would dispute, have the the better, faster, more modern, if you will, roster. The type that's supposed to be winning hockey games and playoff games in 2020. The Golden Knights generate so many chances, have so much time in the attack zone that you just think it's a matter of time till they're going to start breaking out and actually scoring goals. But the fact of the matter is they had trouble doing that in the last round. They're having trouble doing that in this round. They're just not finishing. Still, they could beat Dallas. Uh, if Dallas advances to the final, one would presume that the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are off to a 2-0 start in the Eastern final, are going to advance. The Lightning look like they finally figured some stuff out, but the Lightning also have some significant injuries now. And it's not just Steven Stamkos out. That was Braden Point going out with what looked like a pretty serious injury in the last game. Dallas could win. Dallas could win the Cup. And they could make like a case study about this. Who switches up their identity between regular season and playoffs? And where does it come from? Did it come from the coaches? Did it come from the players? Did it come from faith in the goaltending? Did it come from their opponent? Mike Rupp, the former Penguin, who's uh, an excellent, I don't use that term lightly, an excellent analyst uh, for both NHL Network, locally for AT&T Sportsnet, was on NHL Tonight the other night after one of these games with the stars, and I was so heartened to hear him sound so mystified by Dallas. I thought it was just me. And he was like, I don't know where this came from. Nobody knows where this came from. Not to mention, this has been a weird group in terms of motivation, intangibles, any of that stuff. You never know which Sagan or Ben you're going to get on a given night, and that's been a problem for the longest time. Pavelski came in as a former captain from the Sharks, but 
you know, he was with the Sharks for a billion years, and you didn't know how he was going to respond to being on a completely new team after all that time. Where did this come from? What is happening in Dallas? Fun stuff, anyway. For, for me, it's really the last fun script in these playoffs. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know that there's much left of any kind of suspense or drama, but I, I'm looking for I No, I, I'll go ahead and say it. I, I want to see the Dallas Stars, these Dallas Stars, win the Cup, if only so we can get more and more evidence and try to uncover what this was all about. Thanks so much for listening to this. Have a good weekend. When I come back next time, it'll be Monday from East Rutherford, New Jersey, site of the Steelers season over. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.